Hi, Emily. Hi, Stevie. How you doing, Miss French Twist? I am doing fine. <laughs> you look beautiful. You look beautiful. I really wish that this was not a podcast sometimes and was a visual thing because you're just so hot and people like don't even know. <laughs> okay. I, I have my period and I told Stevie I was going to rip my nose off of my face. <laughs> she sent the SpongeBob meme of the... No, I wasn't even thinking about that. You just truly look so hot and I think about it all the time. I fucking told you this before. I get so excited to show people like my friends pictures of you and they're like, who are you moving to New York with? I'm like, oh, this is my friend because you're so hot. No, that is Don't how I feel no, about you. No, but that's how I feel about you. Oh, we're both hot. I'm serious. So. No, but like, like you guys were both hot. Like, no, like, <laughs> you might not be able to tell by, by my no Billy fucking voice, but shut up. You have the most beautiful voice ever. Shut up. Don't even. Thanks. <laughs> Is that offensive to call it a hillbilly voice? <laughs> what did you mean by that? I think it depends on what you meant by that. So maybe I just don't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> Whatever way you want to interpret that, interpret it in the non-offensive way. <laughs> okay. I was thinking um, like my laugh sometimes I'm like hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> it sounds like goofy. No, you don't. Sometimes I do. No, you don't. No, you don't. You were, you were there. there. <laughs> no, you don't sound like a hillbilly ever. Stop it. Your your laugh is my favorite thing in the world. Making you laugh is probably my favorite hobby. Well, you do it a lot, so. I'm so glad. Your mom telling me that she thought I had a cute laugh, like, I really, I think about it all the time. And she never says how she really feels, so. <laughs> that was, a, that was the fact that that came out. That was a, she means it. <laughs> but yes, I'm wearing my hair in a little French twist because. Which is so fucking cute. For Dana Scully's birthday. Today's Dana Scully's birthday. It's not going to be when this comes out, but it is right now. So. I wear a French twist for two reasons. One, because Stevie likes uh, Scully in a French twist, and I love Scully. Period. And I love you in a French twist. So here we are. The Holy Me Trinity. in a French twist. What did I do today to celebrate Dana Scully? Um, a dildo came in the mail. Perfect. That's pretty celebratory, right? And then I ordered the exact same one. <laughs> We're going to have to initial them in our apartment so they don't get mixed up. <laughs> Which, honestly, I think is iconic. I genuinely think that that is also iconic what if when i try it it sucks and we both fucked ourselves literally uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all night okay <laughs> speaking of fucking ourselves should we get to the question let's do it all right i'll read it somebody sent in Okay, ladies, so whenever a partner and I try to have sex, it's like my body rejects him and he ends up fingering me, and even that's painful. I tried masturbation once and it was horrible. We go in with the expectation of sex, and I let him know that he may have to work at it, but in the end, we just give up. So I've never actually had PNV sex, and I'm so, so nervous it'll hurt or won't be enjoyable. I've never orgasmed either, and I'm scared I won't be a good partner. I don't know what to do. Well, first of all, we want to give you the biggest hug in the world. Like yeah, both of us. Seriously. Like, like, squeeze you. Yeah. You feel that? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Please. So I think the first thing we both want to say is that um, we so appreciate that you feel comfortable coming to us mm -hmm. with this. Um, and while like this majoritively are things is something that we can address and we are going to address, um, 
we aren't doctors. And so I think um, CB and I both um, definitely want to say that if you are experiencing like consistent pain with um, any like insertion, mm-hmm. like definitely like find a doctor or find um, an OBGYN or I know um, Planned Parenthood, depending on where you are, mm-hmm. um, has an online, um, I think, chat and anonymous phone. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Oh, it would have been fucking helpful to me a few years ago. I, I know. That will direct you to um, a practitioner and a qualified medical professional um, to just talk through some of these things um, from a medical perspective and will let you know if this is something that um, can be diagnosable or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so we'll just give advice from of things that we've done when we've experienced similar things and just um, bits of uh, – reassurance uh, reassurance and like things that yeah. we just and like um patriarchal standards a little bit that we've uh, discussed previously but we'll go into again because you can truly never go into it too much but um it when it comes to your physical body like please just remember we're not doctors and we're just talking from our experience because that's all we can do yeah that being said here's a bunch <laughs> of variant <laughs> advice and yes we're correct <laughs> No, but like, here's some <laughs> advice, and yeah, and we we're right. We're right because we just are. <laughs> not medical advice, because, like Jillian Anderson, we are not doctors. We <laughs> just play doctors. Unlike Jillian Anderson, we're not going to pretend to play doctors. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like the first thing is is that take some of the pressure off of yourself. Um, you are not broken and any way shape and or form and i think like and and obviously this is easier said than done but like reframing is going to be a huge huge part of Mm -hmm. this healing process um aside from or i shouldn't even say aside from but coupled with the physical yeah um so and i would say like if you want to maybe tackle like the whole masturbation part first because i feel like that's a huge part of it as well Mm -hmm masturbation is a journey um just as much as any other aspect of your sexuality Mm -hmm. is a journey yeah and so um part of reframing is i i would say like sitting with why you think that when it went horribly the first time you tried Mm -hmm. um and like identifying key things that you felt yucky about or that like didn't feel good or just kind of gave you like a weird like whatever it was that was horrible I would definitely I definitely think that identifying those things will be helpful Mm -hmm. and then like try again like the first time I did I like literally started to finish and then like I just like stopped halfway through because I was like what is happening and then like I just like never wanted that to happen ever again (laughs) you're like that was scary (laughs) yeah seriously yeah Um, yeah it can be and that's okay and and that's okay and that's something that's evolved over time and just as partnered sex has it it changes and your relationship with it changes and your approach to it changes and how you feel about it changes and what you want from it changes and so like try different location try different positions try different sensations and speed like there truly is no limitation um in that in that realm no not at all and And like reframing is definitely something that's crucial when you're doing that because 
if you're going in with the intention of I need to make penetration work for me, or you're going in with the intention of I need to finish, like nine times out of 10, that's not going to happen. Because I know for me, I was so frustrated with the fact that penetration was not working for me. It was painful and Mm -hmm. I like hated it, but I really wanted to like it and to make that work. And the second I let go of that like judgment of myself, like feeling like something was wrong, that it wasn't working. And I just started exploring with the purpose of just feeling pleasure. Like that's the only purpose of what I was looking for is like just to find things that feel good. Then penetration started to work for me. Well, that's the thing. Like pressure off myself, but I want to make sure I heavily preface that like if you take the pressure off yourself and the penetration is still not working for you, you're not broken at all. It's, no. it's not a requirement and like there's other ways that you can feel pleasure and like if you want to see a doctor to address it you're welcome to but if you don't and like you're okay with the fact that's not working that's amazing as well I think too like an important thing that you said is like you can't go into sex whether that's alone or partnered with any expectation Big, yeah absolutely the only expectation you should feel is or that you should go into any sex with is that you are going to feel pleasure. Like that is the only expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, And like whatever consensual way that comes, then like lean into that with abundance. Yep. Um, Because that's truly all that matters. Exactly. That's true. That is like, I'm just going to repeat exactly what you said. Like that is all that matters is that you are feeling Mm -hmm. pleasure and that if you're by yourself or with somebody else, everybody is consenting. That's all that matters. Yep. And like, again, just to harp on another point that you said, because what you said was so jam-packed and I'm so proud of you. That was so perfect. Um, <laughs> is, I'm serious. Is that the goal of sex, any sex is also not to orgasm. No. Like the goal is to feel pleasure. It's to have fun. It's to enjoy yourself. It's to deep in a connection with yourself or with another person or with multiple people is to try something new and like again deconstructing this notion that um there has to be some end goal or i mean of course that's how you feel that's how we've all been socialized right that's Um, not yeah it's not a you thing and this is no a patriarchy in which we live and a heterosexual yes yes very phallic centric Absolutely. Because like, I think that's so true that like, if you're looking at the goal of sex as is to orgasm and you're treating sex like running a race, like you're on a racetrack, you've limited so many possibilities for yourself. Like instead of thinking about being on a racetrack and going to some kind of finish line or end point, imagine you're running in a field. You can go any direction. You can go any pace. You can revisit any spot a bunch of times. It's like you- Did you just come up I with that? I just fucking came up with that. I love that. Right? So it's like sex isn't a racetrack. It's an open field of baby breath flowers and dandelions. And you can just run and enjoy and stay in any spot as long as you want. That metaphor felt like sex. Thank you. That was wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I was just envisioning because you were talking about like an endpoint. I was imagining like just like all the women of the world just like trudging on this racetrack and nobody making it to the finish line. I was like, that's so sad. I want to think of people frolicking in flowers. Yeah. Like what? Like cottage core vibes. Yeah. Just like, yes. Just like dancing. Little women. Yes. Like little women. Yeah. This is not the tortoise in the hair. This is little women. (laughs) This is not cars. The movie. (laughs) This is little women. (laughs) Partnered sex should feel the same as masturbation. Like, Mm -hmm. 
It should be free of yeah. judgment. It should be free of all expectations. But masturbation is like particularly where that is a guarantee. Mm -hmm. And so I think like in order to minimize the nerves surrounding penetration, if this is something that you end up wanting to do and it ends up being pleasurable, mm -hmm. but just for set partner sex in general, like it does come down to masturbation. It does come out to trying it alone. And yeah. so when you say um, that you're nervous that like it's going to hurt, don't don't put that on somebody else. Like, don't let someone test that out for you. Exactly. Like, do it in your own. Only, on, yeah. Only do your your best taken care of in your own hands. So only do what you feel comfortable with, and do it in a space where there are zero limitations, while simultaneously giving it to the person who knows their own limitations. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know how much is too much and be gentle with yourself. And that is masturbation is like the space for all of that to happen mm -hmm. in. And you can take as much time as you need. Like how comforting exactly. to truly just like be in your own hands. Like that seems so safe. And just like there is, yep. there's no expectations. You don't have to worry about disappointing anybody or having any kind of preconceived notions. Cause it's just you. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like you're in complete control. Mm. So it's really important. Like if you're nervous about something, don't give someone else the power to find out something about your body before you even know it yourself. Exactly. And like your body's amazing, but like she can only take certain things and that's only fucking human. Mm -hmm. And so get to know yourself, get to know your vulva before you give that gift to somebody exactly. else. And like light a candle, like light some incense, get a mirror, fucking like date your vulva. Yeah. Like if you try pen penetration alone and it doesn't feel good, great. Like try something that does. And maybe that's like constant clit stimulation, or maybe that's like temperature play, mm -hmm. or maybe that's like grinding on something. Like the opportunities are endless and at the end of the day, you just have to listen to your body and think about what feels good because ultimately like your pleasure is for you. Yeah. And I think that that like the last point that you made, made me um, really sip, sip, like take a step back and think about just how ingrained it is in women and non-binary people that like their body and their pleasure doesn't exist for them yeah that they exist as a performance mm -hmm. and that couldn't be farther from the truth like your pleasure is yours your body is yours mm -hmm. and like your ability to orgasm is not representative of being a good partner no period. my god not at all. period like Oh my gosh. Like say that a million times. Like make that your mantra. Say it every day in your mirror. Seriously. Orgasming is just for you, babe. It's just for you. And pleasure is just for you. Um, you are an equal participant in any sex that you're having. And, and it's like, and all you need to do to be a good partner is to listen. That's it. Is to yep. listen and communicate your boundaries. That is the That's way it. you can be the best partner. Like, and I would say be non, be non-judgmental, but um, respect your respect your own boundaries. Yeah, exactly. That's a good partner to me. That's all it takes. There's no amount like what your body can do or like skill or like none of that fucking yeah, matters. Like, oh my god! Never, 
never, ever, 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 ever make excuses for yourself or how your body looks or what your body can do to a partner ever, Mm -mm. ever, 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 ever. Because a person who, a sexual partner that you want to entertain will never make you feel like you need to make excuses for those things. Like they are just going to be fucking stoked to be there and to be celebrating intimacy with another person in the way that you are. And that's it. Yeah. Like we do not entertain people who do not prioritize our own, our pleasure as much as we prioritize theirs. Exactly. And if they are, then they're not a sexual partner for you, babe. Like don't even go there. No, there's no point. Why entertain stupid, in this case, men who don't prioritize your pleasure when you have yourself? Why would I ever do that when my hand exists? I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, no, that, I mean, but ultimately that's what it comes down to because it's like when you're engaging in sex of any kind, whether it's partnered, whether it's with multiple partners, whether it's alone, you're doing it because it feels good. Mm -hmm. So in in all realms, Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, so never entertain some a space, a partner, partners where you don't feel completely safe, mm. where you don't feel completely secure, yeah, um, where you don't feel like you are being worshipped, where you don't feel like your pleasure is welcome. Yeah. Because you're doing it voluntarily. Exactly. And it's like, it should only add. I was just going to say it should only be an addition to the pleasure that you yeah. experience by yourself. Absolutely. Because like, there's nothing that anybody else can give you sexually and in any realm that you can't give yourself. Yep. There's nothing. Name something. No, you're wrong. <laughs> it's like that TikTok sound where they're like, where they're like, I gave my daughter her dinner in Tupperware. And then it's like, and then it's like, and then the person is like, wait, no, say that again. And he's like, Tupperware. And he's like, no, 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 just, just say, say it again. Say the first syllable. And then they're like, tub. And he goes, wrong. <laughs> people like put the, put different like things. Yeah. So people will be like, oh, I'm straight. But like, I, but like, I would totally have sex with, let, let's just say yes, an yes, example. Yes. Like I would totally have sex with Julian Anderson. Right. right. Like that's, as an example. <laughs> so that person is, this is going to be so confusing <laughs> to, to explain, but you can, you can cut this out if you want, but I'll explain it to you. And so that person is the person who's mouthing, like, I gave my daughter yes, her yes, dinner yes. in tup- Tupperware. And the person being like, wait, no, no, no say that and say that again. I'm straight. I'm straight. And they're like, wrong. <laughs> in case you didn't know, I am not straight. Let me just put, just... <laughs> it's a shock i know it's a shock i know um but i mean on that note like it's not a trend to be like oh my god i'm totally straight but yeah i make out with my friends all the time reevaluate exactly step back it's Take not a, back. it's not a trend no it's it not, not fetishize i sent stevie a tiktok the other day that uh we were talking made, about me, made me quite angry um, well, well, okay. I mean, not to get on this, but like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really <laughs> disgustingly normalized. Like it took oh, me totally. quite a bit of scrolling before I got somebody who was like, babe, it doesn't sound like you're straight. Like, yeah, it took me quite, cause everybody was like, oh my God, like well, that's like, true besties. And I'm like, Argh. yeah, it's like a quirky, like straight girl thing. It's- and I, and I talked to Stevie too. We were talking about that one YouTuber that I watched, right? This YouTuber that I watched did a Q and a, and someone asked her if she was straight 
And she said, yeah, I am. And then she's like, but like, if you know me, I'm always making out with my girlfriends at like concerts and festivals and stuff. But like, no, I'm straight. Like, I'm definitely only sexually attracted to men. It's the homophobia for me. I don't know about you. And that begs the question where it's like, are you making out with your friends because you're attracted to them and it's an internalized homophobia that makes you not want to identify that way? Or are you making out with them because you think it's fun and cute and like it makes you hotter because you also make out with girls? Well, it's Both like the are fact, bad options. Both are bad and it's your responsibility to be looking internally and trying to figure out which one it is. Yeah. Because it's either fetishization or it's homophobia and like best iron that out. Neither are great. Yeah. yeah anyways but what i was gonna say which leads perfectly no 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 don't apologize what i wanted to say which um you brought up what i was gonna say to what you said is that there's a quote i don't remember who said it i think florence posted it on valentine's day a woman said basically like something along the lines of you may not be all you need you may not be all you want but you're all you've got yeah and so make sure she is good first and fucking foremost mm-hmm. you exist for you your pleasure yeah. your body your experience is yours you do not exist for somebody else no Mm-mm. the only other thing i will i will say going off of what you said as well is that just as much as like we do not entertain people who don't prioritize our pleasure mm-hmm. it is also our responsibility to um familiarize ourselves with with what we like yes right yeah that's a big thing because no one else can make you come you hold the keys to your oh my god this was such a mind-blowing moment for me the first time we discussed this like (laughs) you hold the keys to your pleasure and you only can and only you can share them with a partner yes um, exactly. Like they can't read your mind. They don't know. That's why, like, I will die on the hill of like skill means nothing, Mm-mm. because it's taking direction. It's just listening. It's just communicating. In equal part, it's being um, so completely grounded within yourself, um, and being so familiar with yourself, and being besties with yourself. Yeah. To be able to unlock all of that within yourself to be able to unlock all of that pleasure within yourself and to be able to whoever you choose hand those keys off to those people exactly and know that that's like a fucking gift like oh my god it's a it's a gift to give somebody the keys to your pleasure 100 percent. um and you have every right to be choosy like it's not like you do whatever feels good to you um and also i think it's like i know like i was having sex for years without having any idea what I liked. And so how could I possibly fucking expect anybody to pleasure me well, when because I had no like, idea what I liked myself? And, like, the issue is also within the fact that, like, people don't necessarily ask, like, right? Like, it's like, absolutely, I didn't feel like there was a space for me. I didn't even think consciously about the fact that I even deserved pleasure, like, much less absolutely. to explore what I wanted. But it is – to get out of it, it is our responsibility to explore and figure out what it is that we like to communicate that to our partners. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely, that's absolutely the case. And I think the reason for that one is because women and non-binary people, um, again, it goes back to power Mm. um, and information being power and harnessing a quote unquote physical lexicon of your own body is trans translates to power. That's it, um, 
right? And so there's that aspect of it. And then the other aspect of it is like, we don't see it. We aren't socialized to um, ask what people like. We aren't socialized mm -hmm. to um, communicate. We're socialized to like either be good in bed, which means that you have skill or be bad in bed, which means that you're inexperienced. Like that is how we're socialized yep. in media, in popular culture, in everything. Yeah. And so, of course, that's how I grew up. That's how you grew up. I'm sure that's how many, many of you grew up. And so it is, again, for women, for non-binary people, um, it is a process of unlearning and reteaching re yourself so many things. Mm -hmm. um, and it also should be for men as well. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that can <laughs> seem really daunting in like how on earth will I ever dig myself out of this hole? But just reframe it to yourself and like, oh my God, how exciting that I get to explore all of this within myself. That is my favorite reframe reframing ever. I mean, I got I it was directly so, from you. I was so excited when you responded the way that you did when I told you that because like is it's just so powerful. It is. Well, because so powerful. Well, realizing that you can reframe most things is truly yeah. enlightening and empowering. You have so much pleasure ahead of you. And now it's all in your hands. It's all in your hands completely. Um, in terms of the physical aspect, like dealing with the pain of penetration, if that is something, because here's like, I knew in my brain that um, penetration isn't the be all end all of sex at all in any way, shape or form. But it was something that I felt like I wanted because I had, in terms of dealing with my trauma and stuff, felt like that was something that was taken from me and I'm fucking stubborn. So I was like, no, I want that. Like now I want it more than anything. Now that's all I want. Um, yeah. And so, and so I respect if you're like, no, this is something that I want to work towards because it's your body Absolutely. and you have every right to want whatever you want. Um, so if it, that is the case, um, there are dilators from Knock Shop and from Spectrum mm -hmm. Boutique that we can link that start really small in the way that dilators work. Knock Shop. Knock Shop. You can use a code. The code is from um, a woman who had a monumental, if not 180 degree uh, impact on my journey as a woman. And her name is Molly Margaret. Um, and she has a code from for Knox Shop that gives you 10% off if you are interested. Um, and it is um, WWWMM, what's wrong with Molly Margaret, um, as an acronym. Um, and it gives you 10% off. And, and I love her a lot. So definitely use that yeah, if you'd like. Definitely. And and if you do buy from Knox Shop, because we know that a lot, I know that a lot of our listeners have already bought things that we've talked about from there, please leave a review and say where you heard of the shop and say that you heard it on our podcast because we, I'm fucking, who do I got to fuck to get sponsored by Knox Shop? <laughs> we want to be sponsored by Knox Shop so badly. Um, and we want to bring all of you lovely people our own little code. Yes. So if you do get something, if you have gotten something from them because of us, please, please leave a review. Like please. tag them and then tag our podcast. Like it's yeah. just, it's two lovely ladies who run that business. And so yeah. it's feasible to get in contact and we're going to do it. Yep. Um, anyway, so <laughs> anyway. there's dilators from there. And then there's also dilators from a place called Spectrum Boutique, which we can link as well. Um, Perfect. Do the same thing. We just want, 
Yeah. He just, I would love a sex toy sponsorship so badly. Um, and then, yeah, we're trying to become like Jillian. We're trying to get vibrators sent to us. I mean, for that's, free. that's the life goal, isn't it? That's when you know you've that's succeeded. So cool. Um, so yes. Yeah. Everyone always talks about the X-Files, but like, no, it was when she started getting no. vibrators. Come on. People. Yeah. <laughs> Priority straight. Um, <laughs> But the way that they work is that they start um, really small, less than an inch, like so smaller than even, you can get ones that are smaller than your finger in width. And um, you start with inserting them and it just helps um, open up the vaginal muscles and um, relax. And then you work up in size gradually. Um, Love it. Helps with relaxation and all of that stuff. Um, and if that's not working for you, like don't, but you still don't feel like that you're satisfied with not um being able to explore that realm of yourself, definitely see a doctor, like Emily said in the beginning, like find an OBGYN that um, you feel safe with. And there is physical therapy for this. Like they have visual physical therapy for vaginismus and endometriosis and things like that. Um, and you have every, and don't settle for a doctor telling you, oh, it's just, you just have to relax or you just like, it's, it's, it's normal for it to hurt a little bit. Like that's bullshit. Find a doctor yeah. that validates your pain and treats it with the urgency that it requires. Absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. And then I would also say like in the meantime, if you are still having partnered sex and it feels like penetration is is something that's assumed is going to happen mm. um, and that makes you super anxious that that is even on the table you can literally say something along the lines of this can be like before you even meet up you can depending on like what your situation is i don't know but you can say this through text you can say this in person whatever you feel comfortable doing saying something along the lines of like Hey, I just wanted to let you know, like penetration isn't really my thing, but I would love to mm. X, Y, and Z. That's my favorite thing that you've told me ever. Because it's like, if you say something that you don't want to do, there's a million other things that like, if you're horny, you can think of wanting to do. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if you want to have sex and like, there are things that you want to do and like, yeah, and like even, so, and you like, don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Exactly. So, you don't have to like, feel like you need to make it up to them with something that's going to be worth their while. Like, fuck no. that. You could literally be like, Hey, penetration's not my thing, but wow. I'd love to just make out with you like for an hour. Yep. Or like how hot would it be if you use my wand on me? Literally. Wow. Wow. That one's, that one's in my playbook. <laughs> it Right. Yeah. It's like, cause again, it goes to, it goes, it speaks to like your partner, a worthy partner will meet you with the energy that you give them. Mm -hmm. So if you frame something like along the lines of like, how hot would it be if blah, 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 or like, I would love to do this or just the open openness with which you talk about something mm -hmm. like that is how they're going to meet you. Yeah. Because like, I know like whenever someone has created an energy where I feel comfortable, like then I want to meet them like that. And yeah. I, I automatically feel so much more at ease. And so again, and like, if this is something that, you know, you might, not, you maybe like that feels too personal, like if you don't want to get into that, like you never want penetration, like, or if that's just not a thing and like, you just want to frame it as like, Hey, like I'm not feeling penetration tonight or I'm not feeling penetration right now, mm -hmm. but I would love to blah 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 like yeah. x y and z like i would how how would it be if we gave each other head until whatever <laughs> like so we feel like stopping like yeah like how does that sound 
like things like that framing it as framing sex as saying what you don't want and 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 supplementing that with something that you're really really stoked about Mm -hmm. is what it should be exactly 100 percent. you're frolicking through the flowers together and uh that's about it that's about it (laughs) um should we get into the episode yeah let's get into the episode okay i'm drinking coffee at 6 p.m i love that chaotic behavior so this is colony oh god Uh, uh season two episode i don't know 17 17 feels right (laughs) so we open with Mulder being existential doing a voiceover about his sister's abduction i was so happy to forget her i'm sorry Uh, me too making it about himself of course that his sister was was quote taken from me you gotta be kidding me no as if she didn't you know have a life of her own that she was abducted from experiencing and living out. He says as he speaks in the most monotone voice possible. <laughs> so he's talking about how his foundational hypothesis. Okay, Emily. Okay. That her, that her, Look that her you. abduction. Okay, oh my God, this gets so much better. I'm going to start over. Ready? Okay. Yeah, go. So he's talking about how his his foundational hypothesis that her abduction and subsequent disappearance was extraterrestrial has sustained his quest to find the truth, and yet this journey and any answers he'd hoped to find have been as elusive as the memory itself. Damn, that, like that whole, that's hot. Good whole for you. Beginning, that whole beginning part. Wow. Go like, off. Look at you. God, if, Look at if, you. If Scully was ever talking in front of me like that, well, just imagine you talking in front of her like that. She'd lose her shit. Well, I hope so. All I want to do is make Dana Scully lose her shit. And then again, we just have to bring back the meme, like, so you agree. <laughs> Memories can be repressed and that doesn't make them false. Like, that Whatever. was, it was just like a, that whole episode was just like a lapse in time. Like, I think it was just like a glitch in the system. I think so, too. So Mulder goes on to say that he's accepted the sacrifices this quest has demanded from him. But what about Scully? Yes, make yourself a <laughs> martyr. This is no, this is all about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like she like hasn't sacrificed of, anything. No. All about Eve? No, all no. about Mulder. Try about all about Steve. I know. So while he's monologuing, we see uniformed men transfer a man on a stretcher from a helicopter to an ambulance <laughs> to be taken to an infirmary. And then we find out that it's Mulder. He looks and nasty. He's not doing well. <laughs> he's not cute. <laughs> I am not feeling it. <laughs> I feel that you're not feeling um verge of death, Mulder. That's not, not for me. For him. Not for me. Mm-mm. Very fair, very fair. I'm only um, in this to sexualize him. Like, how dare he? <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, he was only in his underwear, which his body seemed fine, I think. That's what I was looking at. Um, just his face was kind of fucked up. So they're about to transfer Mulder into an ice tub. No, they're not. They're about to transfer <laughs> him into a, he- a-, a heated tub. Yeah, because he's very cold. Yes. When- his body temperature was like 86 is what they said. Oh my god. I know. Okay. As I heated. <laughs> His dick was definitely oh, so little. Prune, pruned. Not a pruny dick. <laughs> a raisin. No, like a like a date. Like a date, yeah. Just like a little yeah. date dick. Date dick. Double D. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> not that si- not that size matters, but that's how you use it, but it helps. But anyways, I mean our date's not gonna he, do much. <laughs> he doesn't sorry. he doesn't he doesn't have much going for him if that's not impeccable. If he doesn't have size. Let's move on. So anyways, um um and then Scully comes rushing through the doors. Rushing, just wow. rushing. Oh, something's rushing. David is still monologuing about like how he thinks he's gonna die and like what it all means and blah blah blah. And it just made me think that like I really wish that we got this level of inner monologue from Scully when she was on the verge of death. No, instead um, of her monologues were all fucking about him, huh? Exactly. <gasps> oh my god! Like the whole like so. So Mulder says, like, if I should die now, this internalized reckoning with oneself and one's purpose in the world, all of that being given to Mulder and not afforded to Scully when she arguably went through something, like, much grander than whatever's happened here, and also against her will, I'll say. Isn't that the key? She's shaved down to be as one-dimensional as humanly possible, and they got away with it because other non-traditionally female characteristics were heightened. So oh my even God. though her strength was exaggerated and her intelligence was magnified, they thought because she's not traditionally female that that is a three that that's three-dimensional enough in and of itself. Oh my God, Emily. Emily. Like she, it's Emily. it's like she's not like other girls, so that makes her three-dimensional. No, I just hadn't like right? I hadn't like articulated it in that way or heard it articulated in that way. It goes back to what you what what you always harp on, which is like um like the whole uh mm. relationship between like how the roles are reversed, like traditional gender norms are reversed between uh Mulder being the more emotional one yeah. and Scully being the more stoic one. But because they give her this um non emotional but heightened um like non-traditional female characteristics Mm -hmm. um she can't be given these traditional hyper-emotional um analyses of herself like Mulder is yeah so and like while these roles were reversed the original is just born out of a stereotype that women are the emotional ones um but like emotional emotional emotions gives a person depth yeah emotions give a person depth so they just sidestepped that with her Exactly. And it was truly like what you just said, which I'm going to repeat because it was so fucking good, is that like because they had given her these non-traditional um, characteristics, they were like, okay, we've that's developed. Exactly. That's – wow. But and because like they didn't want Scully to be seen as female and therefore they didn't want her to be seen as emotional, they stifled her depth. Because they associated femininity with, with, um, with weakness completely. Right, unless it's Mulder, then it's then it's heroic. Well, th- it's brave for a man to be feminine, Emily. Exactly. It's brave. Um, well, here's the thing that I realized. It was like this show, I realized this the other day when I was watching, was written by a bunch of men who view femininity as not only weak but boring, which is why they refuse to explore any other facet of Mulder and Scully's relationship. Because, I mean, we've said this before, because like romance is considered boring and feminine and so they're like ew no that's not gonna be in our boys show about aliens can't have romance in there and i feel like that 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 same mentality goes for um 
any kind of inward look at Scully. Totally. And like, I, I, um, and, and that's the issue is that like, so because they didn't allow her to be emotional because that is too stereotypically feminine, that stifled her depth while allowing Mulder to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, let him be they and and they praised him for it for his feminine capacity to express his emotions and revered for his depth as a character and so it goes back to like um it goes back to like this intrigue that like non-traditional men have about them that society gives them yeah where it's like people found Mulder so intriguing because they were like, oh my God, look, he's a man in touch with his emotions. And like, it's like you're sucking crumbs out of the carpet there, babes. Like, well, and the other thing is, is like, I watched the Tiger Woods documentary. Mm-hmm. And like, at the height of when he was like cheating on his wife with a million other people, mm-hmm. he was still playing golf. And there was one scene, uh, there was one uh, clip that they included where everyone knew that he had cheated on his wife it had just come out that he was sleeping with some waitress Mm -hmm. um from a restaurant near his house and uh slowly but surely like more and more women were coming forward but so he was playing golf and there's a clip from from that scene from that moment and the announcers who are um what's the word Uh, commenting yeah commenting on the golf they're like you know, you just have to wonder what's going on in his mind. His mind is such an incredible place. You just have to wonder what's... No. I don't have to wonder. No, you don't. <laughs> like, because he was upset, because he was crying, because he just got caught. Yeah, literally. Like, him showing emotion... So him showing emotion is brave, but if a woman were to ever do that, they're unstable and unfit to be doing their oh, job. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, these are not new stereotypes that we're calling out but it's just frustrating it's frustrating to see them being trailblazing characters because those roles are reversed mm-hmm. and yet it just conforms to another stereotype and it just conforms exactly. to another um sexism yep anyway so Mulder's talking about how if he dies that that will only confirm that there is life in the universe other than our own that they're living among us and have in fact begun to colonize. But like, I thought that this was about finding his sister and like bringing her justice. Yeah. I mean, like like making sure she's okay. He's a bit of that, but like mostly he wants the proof that he's been searching for, you know? Right. Mostly he wants like the pat on the back. Yeah. Like his ego, his sister's life, pretty interchangeable, right? Yeah. So Scully busts through the doors showing her badge so sexy of her good for her bite your knuckle sexy her voice is cracking she's so upset her eyes like never leave Mulder's lifeless body and she yells at the doctor telling them to get him out of the tub because despite suffering from extreme hypothermia she says the cold is the only thing keeping him alive and lo and behold as she says that, his heart stops, and so does Scully's because Mulder is topless. <laughs> I wrote so. during this scene, Jillian really never fails to outact everyone in the room. 
and like that this is was... fully i'm on this kick this whole episode because i i watched this episode the day that um it came out that jillian's gonna be in that show uh the first ladies with viola davis and michelle pfeiffer um playing eleanor roosevelt fucking queen so happy that she's finally getting the roles that she deserves but so like this whole episode i'm on the kick of like wow she's always been fucking great hasn't she mm-hmm. and i'm just really on that horse today so get ready i'm just so excited for her that's it i'm just so proud of her ladies and gentlemen her her (laughs) (laughs) yep we go to the opening credits then from there we're at a research vessel Beaufort sea in the arctic circle two weeks earlier got it so these men are on a ship and they see a ufo hovering over them it crashes and they go after it we cut to Women's Care Family Services and Clinic in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So the staff there are watching the television. Um, The news is basically, the news anchor is saying that what was thought to be a UFO was actually not. And what was actually recovered by the shippers was a Russian fighter pilot. And they pulled him out of the waters, like, despite being in the Arctic waters for hours. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was alive. So one of the doctors watching seems to be very distraught by this news. And when we see the face of the pilot on the screen, he becomes even more distraught. What we learn from the news is that this man who was found was taken to the hospital, but that he walked out and is now missing. So upon hearing this, the doctor who is upset by this news runs out of the room. And the dude from the hospital asks him, he's there. Right. The dude who escaped the hospital. He's there and (laughs) he asks him (laughs) where some man is and when he says he doesn't know, uh, he kills him with like this pokey thing and some green acid comes out of the back of his neck. Then this, our supposed pilot, um, starts an electrical fire and he leaves. Nothing like subtly burning down a uh, women's care facility. So we transition to Scully walking into the office. Uh, Mulder tells her he's been looking for her. (laughs) She says she was down the street. She says, you're always looking for me. Why are you so obsessed with me? Yeah, she's like, oh, I was just, you know, taking my morning walk through the corridors of this dump where (laughs) I contemplate my life choices and how I'm likely going to die alone because you won't rail me. But (laughs) But, what do you want, Mulder? Hey, what's up? (laughs) What do you want? And just like the image of her, like just taking her a morning walk, like through the FBI or like down the street where she's just like deep in thought Mm -hmm. is just very pleasing to me. Oh, yeah. So Mulder shows Scully three obituaries that were sent to him by an unknown source. The three men are Dr. Landon Prince, Dr. Dale Gayhart, and Dr. Harvey Buchanan. Mm -hmm. They are three doctors from three different cities they all worked in abortion clinics and they all died in three separate arson fires so scully says quote sounds like the work of militant right to lifers so mm-hmm. terrorists yep um Mulder shows scully a picture of each of the three men and they're identical each of the three doctors mm-hmm. um even though not only are they not related but there are no records of them at them. all at all yeah so Mulder and Scully go to the police station because they um had arrested a man who they thought 
might be responsible for the fires. And that was Reverend Calvin Sistrunk, a preacher mm-hmm. who has threatened these abortion clinics and doctors before and was carrying a newspaper cutout of the doctor who was killed. And uh, doesn't sound very Catholic to me, I must say. Not I, said the fly. So anyway, Scully's walking around with her hands behind her back in like her little kitten heels and a black trench coat <laughs> with bare legs. In this moment, I just had my mind conjured up the thought of like, all I want is for her to come home after a long day and like drape her legs over my lap so I can give her a little massage. And like the warmth that image gives me. I want that for you more than anything. Makes my pupils dilate. That'll make your pupils dilate. (laughs) That'll make your pupils dilate. That's the PG version of it. That's the pure, that's the pure version of it. (laughs) That'll make your pupils dilate. You feel weird right now? I can't explain to you. You deserve it and she deserves it. I want, people ask me what I want to do with my life. (laughs) No, I don't want to go to law school. I want to be Dana Catherine Scully's housewife. I support you in that. Take me back to the 50s, baby. (laughs) So Mulder reminds everyone in the room that none of the bodies have been found, but the cop says basically they're expecting to find them in the remains of the fire and scully is looking at Mulder when he says all this information like hmm that existential crisis i had on my walk earlier like i think i want to marry him (laughs) the way she looks at him like also her eyes in the sunlight beautiful sea moss so this dumbass preacher comes in and he starts talking about how he didn't do it but if he did god would forgive him avenging murder with murder seems fake to me maybe it's not about life then cv maybe it's not about life and maybe it's simply about controlling women's bodies yeah like could it be could it be that it's only about controlling women could Could that be no and that be right and that like it also couldn't be that when abortion and family planning services um like the ones that he's threatened are more accessible it actually leads to fewer abortions that couldn't be be, no That makes no sense. It couldn't be that when abortion clinics are accessible, that means that women can have children when they want to have children and kids lead happier and healthier lives because of it. Couldn't be that. Couldn't be that when women, not that until women have control over when and how many children they have, they will never truly be free. Couldn't be. Mm -hmm. So we transitioned to Mulder and Scully at Globe and Mail in (laughs) Binghamton, New York. New York. Uh, where the ad in the newspaper for the doctor was printed. Okay, so but the woman who's working at this Globe and Mail place um, just says that the dude who placed the um, ad was like super sketch and he didn't want to sign anything, which prompts Scully to say she has a bad feeling about this case, thinking that maybe they've been set up. Maybe and let's listen. Maybe and it's really funny. It's really funny because Scully says, I mean, you've been set up before, to which Mulder says, if somebody really wanted to set us up, she like- said, <laughs> he said, you will go down on this ship with me if it's, if it's, if it's a setup, babe. He, but of course, if he's to discover something, he discovered something. Totally. He uncovered Which like, truth. meanwhile, she wanted to make it very very clear that if this is a setup she did not fall for it and that's like 
peak Dana Scully quality right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's like, Mulder, I just want to make this clear that if this is a setup, you were the one who fell for it and not me. She's like, I knew from the start. And she's fucking right. So like, And she's right. So Mulder sets up some facts about why he thinks it's legit. He says that the deaths are occurring in a northerly trajectory location-wise. They went from New Jersey to New York City to Scranton and now the ad in Binghamton. Um, suggesting that there are more of the same doctor out there. There's more of this identical person out there. Mm -hmm. So Scully checks the voicemail um, on the number in the ad, and she says there are 24 messages that have responded so far. And because Syracuse is the first message, they contact the FBI headquarters out there, and they find a man named Dr. Aaron Baker, who they think this person is going to go after next. Mulder says that when he finds the location of this doctor, he, mm -hmm. location, <laughs> when he finds where this doctor lives, <laughs> stupid, when he finds where this doctor lives, to let him know, and they'll meet him there. Something, something like that. That's just what we're going to go with. That's what happens. So this agent finds the house, but when he gets there, I'm going to call this supposed pilot knockoff Terminator because that's who he oh looks like. Oh my God. Right? That's he it. looks like Terminator. So I've never okay. seen Terminator, but whatever. So uh, he's there. I don't even know what Sloppy Toppy's real name is anymore. Like, I don't. I don't think he has one. I thought it was 8X. Mr. X. Oh, is it? Something X. I don't know. Oh, they don't yeah. really say sloppy toppy. Yeah. I like sloppy toppy. Careful. <laughs> so, so, uh, anyway. Sure you do. So, when the agent... <laughs> Wait, I found this woman on my Instagram explore page, okay? Uh -huh. And, like, I kind of think she's iconic. Who is she? So, her name is Sue Johansson. Mm-hmm. And she used to have this late night sex show where she would have people call in mm -hmm. and like talk about their sex stuff. And she started hosting it in 1984. Wow. And like, it's so funny because the, the clip that was on my Instagram explore page was like, this woman called and she was like, speaking of sloppy toppy, this woman called mm -hmm. and was like, I can't like, basically she was saying like, I can't deep throat my partner's dick because, mm -hmm. um, but I want to pleasure him better, mm -hmm. which is like bullshit. Cause yeah. you don't need to deep throat a dick to no. The, it's most sensitive at the, at the head. Just use your hands. So, anyways. so so sue johansson is like okay she gets out her little dildo she's like okay so look at her look at this woman she is so iconic oh my god right i love her right so i guess i think she's canadian so maybe people will know her i i, I oh, this yeah. is like way before i was even in the womb <laughs> um but yeah it's so cute i'll try to find the video and send it to you but That's she's so like so cute. Um, she essentially says the exact same thing. She's like, basically, you have your teeth, you have your hard palate, and then you have your soft palate, and then you have your gag reflex. And she's like, if she's like, if you try to get the dick down your throat, you, you will dick? throw up. <laughs> no, she says, I don't remember what she says, but um, she's like, so you start by stimulating it, and she's like, I can't remember. Which, oh, she's she's like you start by kissing it, and she goes, mm, and then she's like, and then you can lick it, and she goes. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my god, that little old woman. 
that's the cutest thing ever okay well then we have to keep that tangent in so that we can i know that's why i wanted to keep it in. i know she's so cute um anyways where were we so agent gets to the house knockoff terminator is there and he's already killed the next doctor rad and then he kills the agent just for fun just for funsies so um but before that happens when the agent tries to shoot knockoff terminator Mm -hmm. the same like green acid um like oozes out of him Mm -hmm. and he's unaffected but when the stuff starts to ooze out of him the agent's eyes start burning and he collapses yep um so Mulder and scully pull up to the house and as they're knocking on the door the supposed dead agent walks up and says that he didn't find anything so he's just gonna dip but we're like, um, wait a minute. Yeah, it's super suspect. Mulder and Scully say they're going to take a look around. And as Scully passes by this man, she seems like very visibly uneasy in his presence. Like yeah. she seems to be like the only one who's like sus mm-hmm. about the fact that he's there. Love that acting choice. Um, she Go does. Bestie. She does that a lot. And like. I'm like, you, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking right. Incorporate your abduction trauma if nobody's going to do it for you. You do Like, the subtleties of her acting are just incredible. She's so good. I'm a slut for U.S. history, so the fact that she's playing Eleanor Roosevelt, one, a figure in U.S. history, and two, um, a queer woman, that'll make your pussy throb, okay? So then... Knockoff Terminator goes to his car. That, see, this is where it gets so confusing. Supposed agent goes to his car. It is the knockoff Terminator who looks like the agent, even though he just killed him. Yes. And then we see the actual agent's dead body without clothes in the trunk of his car. And then pretend agent <laughs> shapeshifts back to knockoff Terminator. Are you leaves. with us? <laughs> you following? <laughs> so... See, now all of this would be so much simpler if, like, what we were seeing is, like, Scully yelling at Mulder for leaving the toilet seat up. Literally. Cut back to the FBI headquarters. Mulder has a meeting with Skinner, and Skinner is (laughs) so angry. What's wrong with him? What is wrong with Mitch Pileggi? (laughs) I'm sorry. He was too busy being angry that he couldn't marry Jillian. So he's pissed because the Syracuse agent is dead outside of a house that Mulder sent him to as part of this unauthorized investigation that they're working on. Mulder is confused and angry. Scully calls. He tells her what happened. And she is equally as shocked. Um, But then she gets right back down to business. She's looking so fucking precious in her kitchen on her computer in her little (laughs) red flannel. So cute. I wrote Scully at home. (laughs) What I would not, there's like, there's a very specific and special like category of Scully at home. I know. Nothing compares. No. And I like, it's so funny because the mom is like, where are you? She's like, I'm at home. I'm at home. Exactly. Like, where the fuck do you think she is? She's like, you can come over if you want. If you want. We can like make out or something. I think you're really cool. I like you a lot. That's what it is. Hang out or something. That's Scully. No, that's Mulder. That's 
both of them at times. Why do I feel like Scully is like, I want you inside of me. And he's like, you want to like go get like food or something? He's like, can I hold your hand? (laughs) That's what I mean. Stevie and I just had a conversation like, Everyone thinks that, like, Mulder is this, like, has, like, the highest sex drive ever. That's why he's always watching porn. Scully 100% wore this man out when they started sleeping together. Like, that is fact. She just has stamina like no other, and he's, like, just dead on the floor. And then the next morning, she's, like, gone for a run. She's made her coffee. She's made breakfast, and he, like, limps out of the room. (laughs) can't look that's directly little, into the sunlight that's the little he's bald <laughs> he's so worn out he's bald so uh they both got an email f- with this picture of another doctor in wash and he's in washington dc scully yes. was very excited to tell Mulder. she's that. like we don't have to travel fuck yeah <laughs> so when Mulder goes to pick scully up ambrose chapel a CIA dude is outside of Scully's apartment building and he says that he has a story to tell about the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go up to Scully's apartment and he starts talking. The scene lasts far too long. Yeah, he says that they've known about these identical doctors for about a decade, but they didn't know how they but they didn't know they were in the US until last year. So Mulder asks who they are. And this dude says, in the Cold War, Soviet scientists stumbled onto a genetic anomaly in sets of identical twins. Yada, yada, yada. They're clones. They are clones. And then they pan over to Scully. And Jillian Lee Anderson's face and her profile specifically, like, now I understand punching a hole hole into some drywall. Like... (laughs) This woman's face is ungodly. There's no other word for it. Yeah. Anyways, I have a picture and I just... Go off. From from her face, right? Like her face is just perfect. But then she's got like the most beautiful like pleated cream lampshade with like this green pillow with like some orange and yellow details mixed with like the pillows that she definitely used in college on her sofa which is like a light blue and white stripe like not only is she stunning and so fucking smart she her interior design immaculate i just followed an account on instagram um yesterday that's like literally only interiors of movies like it just like is analyzing the interior design of like movies and like i'm so about it and like this is a perfect moment for that perfect moment so then one of them i don't remember who um asks how these clones (laughs) got into the united states he the cia dude basically says that one came here on a german passport in like the 60s or 70s and using that same document because they all look the same they were able to bring over a small group several of them obtained strategic positions in the medical establishment um also i think it's important to add that strategic positions in the medical establishment should also be augmented with for the sole purpose of manipulating women's reproductive health and women's reproductive rights yep just a little aside Mulder asks why this is happening, 
And CIA man says that if the country were to go to war, they would basically destroy the country's immune system. Um, and let me tell you, you don't need an internalized network of clones to do that. <laughs> People literally walked into the Capitol three weeks ago, my guy. Yeah, like looking, like hearing this now after what's just happened, yeah. I'm like, all you need to do is be white. Literally, literally. <laughs> my God. It's like they, it's so interesting because I just watched the season four finale with my mom and um, her husband yesterday. Marcus. Marcus. Um, his name isn't even Marcus. It's just Mark. But we call him Marcus. <laughs> but in the end of season four, they kind of go into like how like even more conspiracy stuff. And just we were just all talking about like how timely that kind of paranoia really is right now. Totally. Like it really came back around. So Scully and her perfect, flawless fucking face asked the obvious question, which is, why haven't you fuckers done anything about anything if you've known for a year? Mm -hmm. And CIA man says that in a secret agreement, someone is allowing the clone doctors to be eliminated by who he thinks is a Russian spy killer in exchange for the suppression of the program and the science that created it. Scully is wearing purple eyeshadow with a purple blouse, and it's at this moment that I realize that my one purpose in life is to marry this woman. This like, was the moment? This, yeah, yes. Her matching her purple eyeshadow to her purple blouse. My, my only purpose is to be there, still laying in bed because I'm a housewife, right. hyping her the fuck up and being like, baby, you look so hot. Look how your purple eyeshadow mm -hmm. matches your purple blouse. Are you kidding me? That's what she deserves. So the CIA dude tells Mulder that he thinks the clone doctors are the ones reaching out to them and that he's that he placed the advertise and uh, and that he is the one who placed the advertisement in the newspaper in Binghamton. This scene is basically if I had to sum it up, Scully was wearing eyeshadow that matched her shirt. Um yada 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 people are getting executed as part of a government conspiracy mm -hmm. we cut to one of those clone doctors in maryland he leaves with some woman from this weird empty warehouse of an office mm -hmm. and as soon as he gets home Mulder and scully knock on his door the woman hides for some reason and we see uh as soon as cia man walks behind Mulder and Scully the doctor sees him and he fucking jumps <laughs> launches himself out of the window like launches and then he just gets up and runs away completely unscathed yep Mulder and CIA man chase him Mulder gets fucking railed by a car. like he really gets hit by a car <laughs> like not just like a oh like oh I got him like no he gets like pummeled by a car like, like that he gets killed him he would not have just been banged double penetration completely annihilated he gets fucked in the ass with a cube with no lube by this car <laughs> has Nate has David ever had the wind knocked out of him what was that voice what was that oh my god he was like <sighs> not even maybe he really did just take it up the ass that's what he sounds like, <laughs> he was like I'm okay. Go after him! And I'm like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> like, homie, if you just got homie. nailed by a car like that, you would be struggling to breathe, not struggling to talk. 
clearly he's never gotten the wind knocked out let of him. me hear you moan i know someone who would be willing to help you out with that david she's sitting right across from I'm me i'm your girl babe i know i should on your acting a lot but come on <laughs> i'm just he's being real that honestly Mulder likes to be Mulder has a humiliation kink so scully chases after him she finds him he does this bad voice and he tells her to keep going and chase after the clone doctor so along with cia man he's also chasing after clone doctor at this point we see that he's like not who he seems to be he's acting a little suspect Mm -hmm. um and then we kind of uh assume and then we find out that he's actually bad terminator man cia man actual knockoff terminator calmly walks up to the clone doctor and he tries to escape but then bad terminator gets him scully walks up to now cia man again Mm -hmm. um and he basically says that the doctor escaped up the fire escape and as Scully walks over to him, he's acting very suspicious and she suspects something very fishy about CIA man. And as she's looking around where he claimed the doctor disappeared, she steps in what's left of his body, which is the green acid. From Nickelodeon, the green slime. Oh, right. He got slimed. He got, she got slimed. In her like adorable shoes. The shoes are so cute. That I would like either on my feet across my lap attached to her feet or like honestly fuck it draped over my shoulders even <laughs> we're back in the fbi basement um Mulder's talking about how he's rock hard because cia man gave him the scoop to blow the lid off one of the biggest national security conspiracies ever when she comes in and he's like, she's like, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm okay. My, I'm better than my phone. And he like shakes it. I wrote, I wish Mulder would shake me like that phone. I know. I know you would. And I want that so badly just for like, you. Give me a concussion. So this just got me thinking about like this sense of male entitlement that Mulder has where he's just trusting what this man is saying. And yet, if this were true, where is Sloppy Toppy? Right? Like why hasn't why hasn't he come around yet? Why did he come around in the fucking um which one did we just watch that he was in? Fresh bones. Yeah. But but the, the issue is that like Sloppy Toppy would have given Mulder clues to this, but he would have let him figure it out on his own, like he always yeah. has, to protect himself, to protect right. Mulder, whatever. He would have warned him if he was in danger, but not given him too much information. Mm-hmm. Now here is this fucking bozo yeah of a cia man giving Mulder all of this information and because Mulder believes this is this is the unfettered access to information he deserves served to him on a platter Mm -hmm. he's taking the bait he's so gullible like and it's all because he just believes that like this is the information that he is entitled to so he's not questioning it yep So, of course, Scully is prompted to say that he and his story are unbelievable and unreliable, even after Mulder pulls out his credentials. Scully brings up so many valid points and says that the doctor wasn't even running away from them. He was running away from the CIA man. And she's right. So, Mm -hmm. fuck you, Mulder. Literally. Then Mulder calls Scully overly paranoid, which 
she's not a fan of as she and should neither be. are we neither are we and like maybe if she's paranoid an orgasm would fix that so get to work get to work buddy <laughs> so they get into a little scuffle Scully tells Mulder that you have to draw the line somewhere that a man is dead because of their pursuit of this case and that he can't follow a case to the point of insanity and expect her to follow. He tells her that that's the risk that they take. And because of that, we all draw, we all draw our own lines. And it's like, yeah, sure. But like him not drawing his makes her extend hers. Like his lack of boundaries fucks her over by extension. There needs to be a compromise communicated between the two of them because they are partners. What a good point. So like him being like, oh, we all draw our own lines, Scully. Like, I'm fine with this. It's like, okay, yeah, well, she's going to be the one that gets fucked over and attacked. And that happens in this plot. Yep. There has to be a compromise because they're partners. They have to agree on a boundary, but he just goes full speed ahead and she's the one who gets fucked over because of it. That's such a good point. Wow. So she shows him her shoe from the other night that she stepped in the acid with. And, like, I'm really sad because it's all burned. It's burned, like, through the soul. And she says it was in the exact spot where CIA man said that the the clone doctor escaped. So Scully sends the shoe to do a lab report. um, And she goes to the autopsy. They both go to the autopsy bay where the agent who is killed in Syracuse is because no clear cause of death can be established. Mm -hmm. She says that Scully looks at the report and she says that the only anomaly is that his blood was curdled, suggesting something was introduced to thicken or clot the blood, but nothing showed up on the toxicological. Mulder asks if it could be what the CIA man said was the doctor's ability to contaminate the blood supply and whether or not that could have, whatever they're contaminating the blood supply with could have been used to kill the agent. Then Scully says that, um, she took the doctor's bag from his office as from his apartment as evidence and Mulder gets called to go talk to Skinner. They separate. Scully goes to look at the bag. Mulder goes to talk to Skinner. So Skinner tells Mulder that there's been a family emergency and that his father's been trying to reach him. Um, Mulder, ta- Mulder gets on the phone with his dad and says, um, his dad says that he got a f- strange phone call and he needs him to come see him i would need my family member to be more specific with me (laughs) a little bit yeah so scully says that she didn't find much in the bag but she did get an address which is the warehouse the doctor was leaving from before they showed up at his apartment earlier so scully goes to the warehouse alone and there's more of the green acid everywhere so there goes another pair of cute shoes i know And CIA man is there destroying all of the shit that was like in incubators or something. Mm. Um, Scully leaves. She calls Mulder from her apartment um, and she says that she's being followed and he's not answering because he didn't tell her where she was, where he was going. He could have easily said it's a family emergency. I'm going to my parents' house so that she at least knew that she didn't have him as a resource. Exactly. Like she would have prepared differently. Exactly. Confusion. Or even just said, because like, who's to say that she wasn't calling him at home? She, he could have at least said, I, I'll be on my cell phone. I know. That's why she's calling his home. It's so annoying. 
And it's like so, I realized this episode that like that those kind of miscommunications that lead to that lead to like what happens at the end of the episode where they're just missing each other over and over really makes me anxious. Oh yeah, totally. Like I really viscerally don't like that. It stresses me the fuck out. Yeah. So Mulder's in Martha's Vineyard at his family home. Of course, he fucking grew up in Martha's Vineyard. Of course. Um, and after so much fucking unnecessary suspense from his father, we see his God. mother talking to Samantha. God damn, Bill. Mulder goes inside, and it's his sister. I, what? Okay. Then we see Mulder putting his mom to bed. Okay, a few things. Yeah, it was good. I left this space for you. Thank you. Okay, so first of all, it really doesn't fucking sit well with me that this actress who plays his mom is one year older than him. Literally one year. David Duchovny was born in 1960, and this actress, Rebecca Toolman, was born in 1959. Like, that is literally disgusting, and it just shows, like, when you have an actress that is in her 30s playing an- another 30-year-old man's mother... What, you're putting older actresses out of work. You're said yep. like it's so, and it's like so. What women can are done playing their age once they turn thirty? Like what kind of? It's just fucked up. Like she should not have played this role. It should have gone to an actress who was that age, and like I don't care if you can dye your hair white and make it look realistic. I don't give a fuck. Like, and it's just disgusting that it's like men in their 70s, their love interests are still in their 20s. And the women who are playing mothers of men in their 30s are in their 30s. Like where women just disappear after they turn 35 in this industry. It's disgusting. And that's like going out now, but like this just, it really pisses me off. But on another note, Mulder being so tender with his mom really, that'll make it hit somewhere. Dilate. Hit somewhere. That'll make your people dilate. I feel weird. So Mulder goes out of his mom's room and he talks to his sister on the porch and she tells him what happened to her. So she says that she was returned when she was nine or 10 and that she has no memory of what happened or had no memory of what happened and that she had been placed with a family. She says that she underwent regression hypnotherapy for anxiety, and that was when it all started to come back, including what happened with her abduction. She tells him her parents are aliens and that a bounty hunter has been sent to kill her father, who was one of the doctors, her mother, and then the other doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also says that he won't stop until he's killed them all, her included. And so she tells Mulder that... Um, he's met this man and that he's lied to Mulder. Oh yeah, this is what this is the look I was talking about. Cut to Scully in one of my favorite outfits ever. I wrote in all capitals, yay undercover pink sneaked Scully. <laughs> like, uh, my heart feels like it's about to fly out of my fucking mouth. I'm in love with this woman so deeply. This is the most adorable athletic wear I've ever seen, and she has a pony. <laughs> okay. She said, okay, moldy boy, I'll take care of myself, and I'll do it in fashion. <sighs> it's not the first, it's not going to be the last time she says, I'll take care of myself, Mulder. Um, anyways, I... <laughs> <laughs> I am literally on the verge of, like, collapsing into myself. Sorry. And you choose to say <laughs> something like that? I can't even believe that she owns these clothes. So Scully leaves her house 
Um, and as soon as she leaves, Mulder calls her to tell her that she's in danger and to not trust the CIA man, which, like, buddy, Shardy knew I was that. like, I just, if you would have just been like, you were right, CIA man's dirty. Said he was like, Literally. I made a discovery. Don't trust the CIA man. Like, you fucking chode. Yeah, seriously. God, like, lick my so- kneecap, loser. <laughs> That's funny. So Samantha tells Mulder that Scully may not be able to recognize him because he has the ability to disguise himself as anyone. And he's like, you've got to be And kidding. Mulder goes, anyone? <laughs> what, if she, what if he disguises himself as her ex-boyfriend? It's so funny because he's, like, he's like, he really plays that up. He's like, this is impossible. Anyone. It's because the fucking bounty hunter was David's idea. And that is the only reason why he has writing credits on this episode. That's why he went so hard yeah. with that. He's like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? That's crazy. He's like, isn't that a good thing? Yeah. We also need to talk about the fact that this episode was written by Chris Carter and David Duchovny. Like fucking well, I mean, that's- Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <laughs> I mean, David Duchovny didn't really write this episode. He just had that idea. So we got a story by I- credit. I know that. But in the opening of the episode, it says written by David Duchovny and Chris Carter. Which is Carter, so stupid because it, he just got a story by credit. So, like, why is that on the – it's so dumb. It's so ridiculous because, like, you know, he contributed this one part of the story. So let's just give him a credit that he can then use for the rest of his, of his career as a writer and actor. Like my kneecaps. But like, let's make let's make Jillian write the script first, so we can see if it's any good before we agree to finance it. And do you and want this it. is a good time for? So Chris Carter said, talking Perfect. about this, he said, I, "This is the first time I've ever heard this." So let's let's. He hear said, it. "What's nice about having a person like David Duchovny to work with is that he's smart. He's got good ideas. The idea from Colony slash Endgame <sighs> came out of David Duchovny saying, wouldn't it be great if we had like an alien bounty hunter?' David was very instrumental in shaping the mythology. Doesn't that just make you want to like rip your limbs apart? Because that's how it makes me feel. <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedle fucking dumb. I swear to God. And that sums it up. We don't need to go into it anymore. Like it's just bullshit. Like how about the fact that Jillian getting knocked up? launched the mythology to begin with that shaped the fucking mythology you little twat like jesus i just need new things to call him so samantha says that scully may not be able to recognize him um because he can disguise himself and then she says but i can recognize him i'll be able to tell who he is so we transition to Scully running, doing a little mm-hmm. jog in her navy leggings, a slate gray hoodie, Ooh, and some gray. white high tops, and a fanny pack. You describe color better than anybody. Thank you. It's just very, with her coloring, like in her hair and her eyes and her lips, it's, the colors are very important to me. My favorite thing in the world is when we do our threads on Instagram, you can make the background colors like whatever like you can pick from the pictures so all the pinks that i do on the instagram stories are always either from her cheeks or from her lips and i do it just for emily because i know that it makes her really happy that warms my heart like truly nothing else so now anybody who listens to this and also watches our instagram stories you can know that if it's like a fun little pink in the back try to find where it's from in the picture it came from the apples of dana scully's cheeks yeah that is so precious. Sometimes in really good pictures, I can take the blue from her eyes, but that's more rare. So Scully gets on the bus 
and is looking around at people, being the good, vigilant girl that she is. Let me tell you how beautiful she looks. Tell me. I can't. It's impossible. (laughs) So we'll just attach pictures because the profile shots in this bus are astonishing. We'll just do like a look board. Astronomical, Stevie. I'll try to explain, right? She's talking on the phone. She has this very pointed look out the window. Her hair is gently falling in her face. Her jawline fucking strangle me. Her lips and her nose from the side just run me the fuck over. (laughs) Tap on me. Hit me like that car hit Mulder. (laughs) Hit me like that car hit Mulder. Exactly. Her nails. (laughs) I just really pummeled him. The force with which that car hit Mulder is how hard I want her perfectly manicured nails to hit my face. Okay. Okay. So she calls Mulder and she tells him she doesn't think she's been followed, but that she'll be staying at the Vacation Village Motor Lodge in Germantown and that she has some information for him regarding the case. Why she says this on a public bus while she's worried about being followed, I'm a little unsure. Well, it's the thing where it's like she says, oh, I haven't been followed, and they immediately pan to show that she has been followed. And I hate when they- Right. And I get, like, it's like, you know, how else would they- um, have have shown that bad terminator bounty hunter knew but, where she was staying like how like how would they have done that but like you know it's right. still put a little work in <laughs> so cut to scully <laughs> she's hiding behind a little building and she darts out so she bounces across to the warehouse and she takes out a lock undoing thingy where did she, did she just have a lock pick in her apartment that's a very good question um potentially maybe like if she needed to like get out maybe she has like an emergency fbi kit in her apartment maybe yeah i see that Um, she definitely has like an emergency kit where she has like all her little tools totally she's a little toolbox she keeps it next to her dildo box next to her first aid kit the holy trinity and that's and that's dana scully (laughs) i had to rewind multiple times when she takes out the lock pick Mm -hmm. Because of her fucking fingers. I thought of that. I saw her fingernails and I said, Emily's going to struggle. Out loud, alone in my room. I said that. You're correct. (laughs) And I did struggle out loud, alone in my room. (laughs) Had to step away from the screen briefly. but That's okay. Then we got back into it. Because you're only human. (laughs) Yeah. But seriously, like, her fingers do something to me. They're so beautiful. I wish that I could commission Picasso to paint you a portrait of her fingernails and her fingies in that moment. And you can frame it and hang it in your room. Put little string lights around. Am I what? Your room. Your room? I didn't do it on purpose! (laughs) I love you. I would love that more than anything. So, the other thing that I noticed is that her nose is all runny. (laughs) I'm in love with her. In case you didn't know! She gets into the warehouse and she sees all the shit is still destroyed. But then as she's looking at something that was crushed, it's like an embryo, a fetus, who the fuck knows? And then it like moves. And then like one of the clone doctors comes out behind, <laughs> comes out from behind one of the machines. <laughs> Scully stops him and he, um, Martina, you ready? <laughs> 
he Martina you readies his way to call all of his other buddies to come out um and three more of the clone doctors come out he tells scully that she needs to protect them because they're the last four remaining mm -hmm. so scully orders protection for, for them from the fbi and they're taken away but then we see bad terminator knockoff terminator bounty hunter man and he's watching everyone and he's watching this all unfold yeah so we transition to Mulder in his apartment with Samantha. He calls the motel that Scully told him that he, that she'd be staying at. He tells the motel dude to have Scully call him as soon as she arrives. Well, of course, his pencil breaks as he's writing down what Mulder told like, this him. This literally and makes me so anxious, these things. All the information he was just given escapes his brain. How convenient. Oh, my God. So... Seconds later, Scully walks in asking for a single one night immediately after. And like, you'd think upon hearing her name, he would remember that it was the name the man on the phone said not five seconds ago. Literally, what a fucking dumb nut. Like, men are fucking useless. useless. And like, Dana Scully it's is not a common name. Well, how come he can't remember her name, but the man in prison can remember it to tell fucking Donnie faster so he can go attack her? Isn't that the fucking ticket? So she goes to her room to take a shower. And then Mulder calls her. How convenient again. God. <laughs> um, and then apparently Scully did something other than take a shower because she wakes up in the next scene looking exactly the same as she did when she went in for a shower. Okay, so we cut to the agent who took the four doctors into maximum security, but surprise, Jode! <laughs> it's knockoff Terminator. <laughs> and they're all about to D-word because he has this little pokey thing. Yeah. So we go back to Scully waking up at 11.10 p.m. Mulder's at her door, but then he's on the phone. And... Uh, uh-oh, Skedio. Uh-oh, Skedio. And that's the end of the episode. To be continued. Yeah. Good job. That was a fucking marathon. Well done. You did, you did that very concisely and clearly. I understood more listening to you than I did watching the episode. Oh, good. I'm glad. Do you want to do Jillian's Corner? Let's do Jillian's Corner. All right, T, can we sing? Let's Are sing. Yep. <sighs> That was an enthusiastic one. Somebody said, hi, heart. Just quick question for you, Colin. What's your favorite Scully, Stella, Jillian, slash any of her characters quotes? Well, babe, do we got some quotes for you? This was a tough one. Um... Because pretty much anything that leaves this woman's mouth in any form is my favorite thing yeah. ever. Um, but I think we picked some choice yeah. ones. You picked some great you ones. You did as well. I didn't pick any Jillian quotes because I didn't realize that was part of the question. So can we do that for another Jillian's Corner and like compile some from like just her? Absolutely. So the first one from Skullbag that I have is her monologue about the justice system's incompetence. It's so timely. In um, season three, when uh, Skinner tells her that they are ending the investigation into Melissa's death, Scully's sister's death. Mm -hmm. um, 
And this one is personal because I know that like the meaning behind that monologue was like, you know, to fuel the conspiracy and just like how you can't trust the government and blah, 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 blah. But that hits differently in the sense that it's like, no, like that has actually nothing to do with conspiracy. And it's just the um, inadequacy of our justice system when it comes to anyone who is not wealthy, white, and male. Mm -hmm. That is something that I potentially want to make a career out of. And so hearing Jillian deliver that monologue with that amount of passion feels very warm and and personal to me it's all of my feelings about the justice system wrapped up into one lovely monologue delivered by an even lovelier woman oh that's beautiful that's my smart bestie go bestie shut up my scully one is baby me and you'll be peeing through a catheter hell yeah done cocked and pointed my other one from scully is the one is the part from jose chung (laughs) where the guy is um, retelling what happened and he basically like paints Scully as like going up to him and grabbing him by the shirt and (laughs) says that she like shined a light in his face and was like, you never saw us. We were never here. None of this happened. (laughs) And like, that's not even remotely what she says, but it's along those lines. And I can picture it so fresh in my mind and she's so precious. I, I love her. I, know. I love her little, I love how fiery she is. It's so amazing. Okay, on to Stella. On to Stella, my baby angel. So my Stella one is when she's talking to Rose's husband in season three after Rose has been rescued because she was kidnapped by Paul Spector. If you haven't, oh, it's from the fall. So if you haven't watched the fall, definitely do that. Um, that's a big fall spoiler. Who cares? It's been out for years. The thought process he just went through is really funny. So the quote is, is that he's like upset because he doesn't understand like how she could have just gone with him and that like Nancy, their daughter says that he's, they, she saw them walking across the street and like, she was like just walking with him and like, not like fighting and all that. And so Stella like pulls him aside and she says, um, in fact, the most common instinct in the face of this kind of threat is to freeze. If she didn't fight, if she didn't scream, if she was silent and numb, it's because she was petrified. If she went with him quietly, it's because she was afraid for her life and not just her life, yours and Nancy's and the baby's. In that state of fear, she might have well been compliant. She might well have submitted, but that does not mean she consented. And like, I'm going to sound really dramatic for a minute, but when I first heard that line, it really took my breath away. Like actually- I had to pause it and like sit and I didn't know what to do with myself hearing that articulated in that way because maybe this is TMI, but like in my um, assault situation, I froze and became very compliant and I struggled with that for a lot of years thinking that that invalidated the violation that it was because I didn't fight back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And hearing this articulated that way was so powerful and so palpable and it's so true and people thinking that fight or flight are the only reactions in the face of trauma just really perpetuate an invalidation of victims because there's a wide range of responses and trauma is very complex and Mm -hmm. 
I cannot believe that this was written. This was a line written by a man. Like I really I can't. And just the way that she delivers it is just so powerful. And like, I could cry thinking about it. Yeah, seriously. That That's the thing that's so incredible about all of these quotes is that on the page, they are powerful. And then somehow the way that Jillian delivers them even is more. even more so. I think that's beautiful. I love that. My first Stella quote is the Margaret Atwood quote that she cites, which is, um, she said, even though she forgets who, who said it, she's only human. Um, she basically says that someone said that um, a person asked a group of men what their biggest um, fear was that women would do to them. And they said that um, their biggest fear was that women would laugh at them. And then the same person asked a group of women what their biggest fear from men was. And the women, the group of women said that we are, we are afraid that the men, that men are going to kill us. And Margaret Atwood is just a fucking genius. Oh my God, I know. Um, But that is a testament to the difference between misandry and and misogyny and so many discussions about the violent epidemics that are perpetrated by men it's so hard to get in. it's just such a loaded quote I mean, the but quote i just kind love, of speaks for itself the quote speaks for itself and i love that she literally says it after she just fucked this man so hot like he is still naked in her bed and she's like let me let me tell you something. Like that's everything I want to be. That is everything I want to be. Like without any regard for whether or not this will scare this man away, she's like, I don't give a shit. She's Dick like, is unlimited for me. Yeah. Okay. Dick is abundant. Yeah. And that is also why I love the quote because of the context as well. So good. So fucking good. Um, my second Stella quote is just, it's when she's talking to Rose when they're interviewing her after she's um, had some time to be at home and process everything that happened to her. Um, and she says, remember you survived, you got through it, it's in the past. And that's just a good mantra. And that's one that definitely um, swirls around in my brain often. Absolutely. And just hearing her say it with so much care, like that's what holding I mean. her hands and like, like those scenes First of all, I would fucking kill to be in a scene like that with her. Like, I would, the thing that is that I, like. That's your, that's your, I want her legs draped over my shoulders. I want to, I want to have played Rose. The actress who played Rose did a phenomenal job and I was literally 14 when that show came out. So either way, so good. Like just how gentle she is and like Rose having, like the actress who played Rose was just brilliant and like her like struggling and like her telling her to breathe and like just like seeing women support women after trauma is just so palpable and really hits home for me. Especially someone as gentle as Jillian portrays Stella as being. Like Stella is so beautiful in her like instinctive protectiveness over women it is like Like, truly her capacity to love is um incredible i I know and jillian just plays it brilliantly and the actress who plays rose does an incredible job and just like a plus all around i'm really happy that you're taking her like very serious and very like poignant quotes because 
not that mine aren't that, but it's like, okay. My second quote is, <laughs> no, go. It's great. No, it's good. This is our balance. We always do this. Okay. So my second quote is um, when Stella is talking to the other male detective about fucking what's his name i don't even know what his name is um, um the first guy that she sleeps with who dies the hot one shit yeah the one that the, she grabbed the dildo picks. yeah when the other agent is is talking to her about the fact that he died and is trying to like roast her about the fact that he was married he's trying to he's just like tr- slut shame her that's literally it he's just trying to slut shame her like into the fact that she into feeling bad for the fact that she slept with a married man yeah and so he says that's a better way of saying yeah so he says um you didn't think to ask whether or not he was married and stella says he didn't think to tell me sitting on her desk looking down at him like she is oh my god her ass looks incredible body adi adi she looks incredible (laughs) that whole scene I want yeah. projected at my funeral. Like everyone, yeah, everyone to sit down and watch it. I just want that constantly playing on like the my inner eyelids. Yeah. Like so every time I close my eyes, I can just watch it. Yeah, literally. Okay. Is that also the the woman fucks man? Yeah, same scene. Scene? Okay. Yeah, that whole scene. We'll see. We just have we'll include the whole thing. Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> um Martina. Please. Um Blanche. Let's do Blanche. Okay. Um, so the Blanche monologue that I love um, the most is when she's in her pink dress and she's a little tipsy and she um, has red lipstick all over her face and um, she's not a little tipsy. She's completely, completely intoxicated. Yeah. And she's talking about how beauty fades, but and looks fade but tenderness of the heart and character those are what those are the things that matter and those are the things that never die and she has all of those things the i don't know i mean i love the quote and i loved the quote when i read it in high school when i read streetcar in high school but the way again the way that jillian delivers it i know well blanche is her best performance Full stop. 100%. Yeah. Like full stop. Um, yeah. And I felt the same way when I read, I remember when we read Streetcar in high school, everybody was like, oh yeah, Blanche is like so annoying and like fucked up. They didn't say fucked up because we were in high school, but like, the, and I was like, <laughs> felt as they were thinking it. I was like turned into mama bear about Blanche. I was like, no, it was like, totally. we need to protect her. She's a victim of the patriarchy. Like was so passionate yeah. about it. Me too. That's very fitting for both of us. It is. I think. Yeah. yeah um so my one of my uh blanche quotes is when she's talking to mitch oh god this scene fucking breaks my heart it's when mitch comes back at the end and he basically is like you're fucking dirty and like i don't want you fuck mitch fuck mitch fuck mitch Mitch so hard fuck mitch like that car fucked molder literally literally that's it like just run him the fuck over because he could he could have saved her not like if he just would have stepped out of himself for five fucking seconds and did not make it about him, he could like, yep. Oh, yep. And she says to him, fuck Mitch. Oh, fuck Mitch. she says to if you haven't seen streetcar or read it, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. <laughs> sorry for you that you don't have it. Yeah. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But she says to him, she says, you said you needed somebody. And while I needed somebody too, I thanked God for you because you seemed to be gentle, a cleft in the rock of the world that I could hide in. But I guess I was asking for too much. And I, that scene makes me weep. Like, like no other and it's just like her desperately thinking that she found a safe place and it just not being that oh and then she just delivers it brilliantly like these quotes really show that i'm hashtag depressed but no they really get me like i they're beautiful it's not my fault jillian doesn't do fucking comedies (laughs) no they're beautiful seriously like that scene just mm. Well, yeah, that's all I have for Blanche. Oh, I have one more. The very last line of the play when Blanche says to the doctor, I have always, de- I'm not going to do it. I have always okay. depended on, <laughs> I'll do it for you later. Okay. Um, she says, I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. And like that great quote really hits home for like little me who just was like searching for specifically men to like just protect. And there was no, like depending on that kindness and having it not being there. Like it's the fact that she was stuck depending on that kindness from strangers that completely ruined her. It's just, oh. Yep. When we're done with it's the X-Files, maybe we'll just do a series on the Stone Streetcar. Yeah, we like, totally should. Oh, I love that play. Um. Anyways. So I have two from when Jillian played Lily Bart in House of Mirth, and one of them is, it is so easy for a woman to become what the man she loves believes her to be, um, which is just depressing. It's the only reason. I love pain. Um, and the next one is her, when she's like weeping before she fucking kills herself, saying, I have tried hard, but life is difficult, and I am a very useless person. <laughs> and I just really vibe with that. Like, honestly, fuck, man, I've tried, but life's hard and I'm a useless person. For real. And again, the way Jillian oh, it's just fucking, sobbing. Yeah. And I'm gonna I can, out, I can like, hear that. I know. So my one favorite quote from her is her saying that she, I don't feel sorry for men. Duh. Duh. Um, and then my other favorite quote is when she said that she's a woman's woman and that women who aren't are very unsettling to her. Wow. Someone bring her on the podcast. Come on. Please. I'll throw a temper tantrum anywhere. <laughs> Who do I need to fuck? <laughs> Again, what what cement parking lot do I need to throw a tantrum on? Literally. Get, give me the address. I'll fucking run my little ass there. And then like, so we're going to, I think we should just, yeah, we sh- we're going to do this again in another in another Jillian's corner our favorite quotes because one there's just too many and two it genuinely feels like Stevie and I talk about this all the time but like it genuinely feels like truly everything she says is just so deeply personal and yeah. we see so much of ourselves in her it's i mean we're all leos but like (laughs) worse it's just so empowering to see a woman be unapologetically herself and then like seeing those commonalities yeah it's just like so comforting and beautiful and that's why just fucking women insert saoirse ronan women (laughs) (laughs) so we'll do a much more thoughtful selection of Jillian's quotes but it's just so hard it's just so hard I mean you know how do you pick from among the greats of like do you smoke coffee (laughs) you know it's another whole day (laughs) 
How do you pick between those? Between like, I would marry a horse, a male horse, <laughs> you know, to nothing against Sean Connery. <laughs> I might have him on my bed, but I wouldn't have him necessarily have him on my wall. It's an Eiffel Tower. <laughs> nah, it's just a horse. To, you know, do you feel weird? <laughs> Okay, we got to stop because we could just rip okay. all day. All right, let's stop. Okay, we love you so much. Thank you for listening and being on this little journey with us. We'll continue this episode next time and um, see how chaotic we can get with it. Yep. See you next time. See you next time on The Sex, the Files. Sex Files. Goodbye. Goodbye.